Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. <laughs> and we're back and seen. <laughs> so guys, what happens is we don't always know who's going to come in, right? No. So Diana just took it. We both looking at each other no, with like, we that just, weird look, really awkward. And she just started talking. So yeah. there we go. There we go. How's your week been? Um, interesting. I think that I've hit a bit of a roadblock with work. I think I'm kind of tired. I think I've, I'm finally like realizing that I've been... I've been people's therapists for over a year in the pandemic, and I really haven't taken a real vacation. So you need a real vacation. I I think I'm beat. <laughs> I think last last night my uh, my last patient. I was going to be done early because normally I'm not done till like seven thirty or eight. I, mm-hmm. And now I was going to be I was going to be done at six thirty, maybe yeah. And she canceled, and I was like, ooh, what okay. can I do with this time? <laughs> I like walked into the living room, put myself right on that couch. And the next thing you know, it was Please. eight o'clock. I was like, out, out. And I can't, um, there's something about this particular week that I've been exceptionally tired. I hear you. I think, um, I think I might have some allergies, but it's, it was, it was a nap and I'm really, um, interested in my sleep right now. Okay. So I just got new sheets. Did we talk about the uh, sheets? I we, feel like we I, talked about these, them. These sheets have are... arrived. They arrived. So I put them on the bed yesterday. Okay. Um, which also now means that I have so many things I have to change because it was a duvet, but now the duvet doesn't go with the actual pillows that are on there. So now I have to get another <laughs> pillow and then I have to get like, I didn't this get is a reason for you to go shopping now. Anything. <laughs> so I needed the Euro shams and then like all the things and now it's brighter and like the bedroom feels better and I'm feeling really good about that. I can't lie. I noticed, I don't always notice the difference in the sheets, mm-hmm. but I cannot lie to you. I love my new sheets. I nice. was like in the bed. I did not wake up sweating, which mm-hmm. is a thing. And I was like, this is so nice. I might have to get more of them. There is that level, you know, like there's that I upticked <laughs> what I would normally pay. Normally for pay. Sheets. Okay. <laughs> I did. I did a little uptick. It was worth it. And now I'm going to get some lavender spray. That's going to be next step. 
I'm going to spray everything down before I go to bed so that it's nice and soft and the, the scents will help me sleep. Yeah, I bought some linen spray recently and it's really helpful. Is it lavender? Um, What's the smell? Um, I think it's like some type of citrus or something. Yeah. I want it to be um, so that I can spray me and the sheets. Okay, got it. I want a little like cooling on the skin. I feel like I had a, you know, I've been investing in my skin too. <laughs> Lord, Lord help me. I'm getting ready to go outside. So I've been investing in the skin, but uh, it was a little, I feel like it's a my skin's a little sensitive and it's a little, it's a little, I don't know, tender. So I want it inflamed. Okay. I want the inflammation to go, I want the inflammation to go down. I think that what I'm getting from this is that, um, you know, during COVID, the things that we start to focus on, like every other couple of months, a couple of weeks, there's something different, right? That becomes the focus. Right. And then you let that go and you pick up something new, right? So. Which is like when you're outside too, but I think that when, when there's no pandemic, but I think like you get more focused on it mm -hmm. because you have I don't know. Time is weird. It's still weird. Um, yeah, I'm forgetting more. what day it is these days. Some days I'm like, what day is it again? I only know the date because of the people that I see. So I know what client I see on what day. And so then I'm like, oh, it's Tuesday. Cause I see such and such on Tuesday. So it must be Tuesday. <laughs> right. I don't really know what day it is. <laughs> I know. I think we're very, I mean, it is fortunate that way that like people know what day it is and we know what day it is by the day and the time that we're going to see people. Cause it's been so consistent. And my schedule has been almost, I don't think I've moved patients around that much. My schedule mm -hmm. has been, has been really like the same. Mm -hmm. And also I'm doing a, a re reconnecting to uh, Ayurveda. So I used to study a lot of Ayurveda when I was a yoga teacher and I just got this book. Uh, this is just a teaser of something mm -hmm. that I, little, little something special that I'm working on for be well, but anyway, okay. so I was reading about my dosha mm -hmm. um, and I am going to send you we're going to have somebody come and talk to us about Ayurveda sometime on the podcast, but I'm going to, I want you to take the quiz to find out what your dosha is. So I'm Pitta Kapha, which I know, but I was reading about Pitta this morning, which is mm -hmm. like the fire, but okay. also like it let, it's like the coloring of a Pitta person is freckled with red hair, <laughs> lots of fire and likes organization. And I was like, Oh, oh my, my God. God, would that be you? <laughs> But it was like, and like medium build, like medium bones, like kind of weighs the same all the time. I was like, wow, wow. Like this book was written for me. Yes. But when I went, when I was in India and we may have mentioned this before on a podcast and I was having my dosha, uh, I visited an Ayurvedic doctor. They wanted to give me something to get rid of my freckles. And I was like, yeah, that's not a thing, but I like my freckles. See, yeah. Your freckles have some pitta. Yeah, I didn't like them though. all the time. I think when I was younger, right? Like it was something about them. But once I started to get older, I thought they were very beautiful. Yeah, they are pretty. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting how, you know, the things that bother you at one point in your life and another, you're like, oh my God, I love it. Can't do oh, without no. it. So yeah, we're, we're having a very interesting week, guys. Yeah. I, I, we, I feel like I'm not, um, I'm usually on 10, but today I just feel really, really mellow. I'm like totally mellowed out. <laughs> 
Well, because your doshas are not balanced and you're uh, kapha heavy. That's all I can say. Okay. Um, yes, I'm looking for balance. That's what I'm looking for. Some internal, physical, and emotional like balance. I'll take that. I'll yeah, take I'm- balance any day of the week. I'm really someone who works in the extremes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty balanced, but I feel like I've been like, I don't know, like some, something's like some days I'm working super, super hard. And other Mm -hmm. days I'm like, okie, okie dokie. I'm ready for that nap. The other day, (laughs) my client was like, um, I was like, oh, so I'll see you next week. And she was like, Anisha, can I ask you a question? She's younger. She said, um, do you go on vacation? And I was like, I do. She was like, cause you're the most consistent thing in my life. <laughs> I know you're going to be here every week. I was like, well, that's what happens in therapy, right? Like I'm supposed to be one of the most consistent things in your life. I said, but I am going on vacation. So actually I did want to tell you about that. So here it is. <laughs> so then yes. I announced my vacation day. We announced the, the vacation. Moment. Yeah, I am also, I'm going to do it. I haven't, I mean, I went on vacation last year. I went on vacation last summer. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't. I, but it was in my car. You went I mean, for, I went on vacation, but I always worked, right? Like I went away one weekend and I did the podcast in the car and in the hotel room as I was getting kicked out. And I w- was in Mexico. I worked, I saw clients, I did the podcast, I did everything. So I haven't had a vacation without working. So this will be my first vacation where. Okay. So I'm just so that we're clear. Yes. It's not a vacation if you're working. Oh, okay. You just because you did it, just because you worked in a different location yes, does not make it a vacation. So you technically have not been on vacation. You have no. just moved locations yes. in order to work in the sunshine. Yes, that's what I did. Yeah, no. I went on a vacation <laughs> at the end of August last year, which I do. And now I'm going on another vacation in May. Okay. I'm not going to so- work. We're both going to be on vacation and we're not going to work. Correct. And I can't wait. It'll be exciting. It will. So should we introduce our guest now? We should. I should say I'm going to to say that I'm going on vacation with my man and we have a really nice relationship. So that will be nice. And that will be our precursor into you introducing our guest. And yes, Dawn will still be working while we're on vacation. Yes, I see you, Dawn. Anisha, who's our guest today? Oh my God, she is amazing. Her name is Rihanna Milne. She is a CEO, uh, LMHC, which is a licensed mental health counselor. She is a certified global life, love, trauma, recovery, and mindset coach. She's also a number one best-selling author and an educational speaker. And I don't know if you guys are ready, but she is going to talk all about love and trauma and how they all kind of mix together sometimes. So, um, Diana, do your thing. <laughs> so, sit back, yes. grab your tea, and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. 
We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit bewellpsychotherapy.com or text BEWELL, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's bewellpsychotherapy.com or text BEWELL, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Well, welcome back, everybody. It's Diana. It's Be Real. I'm here with my girl, Anisha. Yes. Yes. Every week. Again. Same old, same old. Back back at it. Bringing it to you, Anisha. I am... I'm good today, right? We're we're still living in a pandemic. The weather's getting a little bit better. Spring is here. So um, I'm excited about today. And I'm also excited about today because I'm excited about our guest. Our guest is Rihanna Milne. She is a life and love trauma recovery coach. So we're going to be talking about love today. We're going to be talking about a little trauma, trauma bonding, a little bit of everything today. So I'm so excited that you're here. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, Rihanna? Okay. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. I wish you a happy day. My journey. Well, I started actually doing mindset work Mm -hmm. as a model and talent agent in my 20s. And I was taking model singers, actors, dancers who had a dream from the small town of Erie, Pennsylvania, and putting them on the map all over the globe. As a matter of fact, my own daughter sings on three multi-platinum CDs. I had a dancer go to the Rockettes and uh, other people, uh, one guy wanted to sing with Lionel, Lionel Richie, sounded just like him, and he did. You know, so I was making dreams happen, and I love that work. And there was a lot of psychology behind taking fear-based negative thinking and helping them to reach their dreams and goals. However, always as a kid, I wanted to be a counselor. And I did because I was very teased and bullied in my, tw- in my middle school years And I asked my mom if I could go to counseling. She said, no one in this family will ever go to counseling. And I said defiantly, then I'll grow up and become one. And I did. (laughs) So after I became a single mom in my 20s, I I did marry my college sweetheart. That unfortunately ended up being with a psychopathic partner. He actually stole a large sum of money from my mother. So at 24, I owed her $200,000, which like today is half a million bucks. I had two little girls uh, and a bankruptcy by 26. I opened the model and talent agency with my first month's rent. Within six months, I won the Educational Excellence Award and within the year, the International Award for Model and Talent School of the Year. So I was doing that kind of work and loved it, but using a lot of psychology and always loved psychology. So after I sold off that company 10 years later, I went back to school and got a triple master's in applied clinical and counseling psychology, graduated summa cum laude and opened up my own practice called Therapy by the Sea in Southern New Jersey. At that time to build the practice and to earn income as a single mom, I worked in the schools as a trauma counselor in South Jersey, in North Jersey, I was telling you Hackensack High School. I was working with those that had, you know, uh, ADHD, oppositional defiance, trauma from home. Um, I was working with kids from the Crips and the Bloods. You know, I mean, it was quite an interesting job, but I loved it. 
and I worked with every grade level from kindergarten all the way through college as a SAC counselor. And also I worked in a mental health unit at Atlantic Care Hospital in South Jersey, child and adolescent unit, so with kids five through 19. Then I worked in the drug and alcohol rehab centers as LCADC, both a teen recovery center and one for women from the prison system. So I found no matter the population, the age, the culture, the race, the background, these top 10 traumas kept coming up over and over again at the stage of life that they were and kept impacting or sabotaging their life or their way of thinking and being. And then it was the second time when I had a love trauma happen to me. I married someone I adored. We had this amazing relationship on on the surface. Everyone saw that we were happy and it was very romantic, but then he had a whole secret life. And it was uncovered at his school. He was a principal. And ironically, we were introduced by the school superintendent. So, I mean, everything just exploded again in my life. And I had to stop and think, why am I attracting sociopathic people? You know, Mm -hmm. what is it within me? And I had seven psychotherapist friends who knew me, knew him, us as a couple. No one could figure out what was going on with him, what he had. What was it? Yeah. Yeah. And his comment to me was, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. And I said, I don't either, but I'm going to figure it out. And there was nothing in the DSM-4 back then describing. (laughs) He wasn't bipolar. He wasn't borderline. Yes, he was highly anxious, but I wouldn't call it anxiety disorder. It was something deeper, something more. And I'm like, what is this? So I started a mad research a lot of psychological journals and books and uncovered, there was a large amount of studies and I kind of pieced it together. And he had a lot of these top 10 childhood traumas. He had nine out of 10 with severity levels of nine and 10. So let me ask you, is this what inspired you to become like this love coach? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I'm riveted. I'm like, I'm, I'm riveted by all of it and how, uh, the things that happen to us and what happens and like the drive to figure it out and what comes next in our lives. So tell us about this next transition in the top 10 traumas. Sure. So I started writing it, you know, the research in my book, Love Behind Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. That went to a number one bestseller. And Live Beyond Your Dreams was about the mindset for success that I had Mm -hmm. taught for 20 years at this point, right? So together, they're sister books. But I had more. And then I put them in notebooks for my therapy clients. And I found what I went through, so many others went through. And I started analyzing their childhood traumas. And so I'm going to go into the top 10 traumas. There are more. Okay. These were the ones that kept coming up again, despite age, even my straight and LGBTQ population that I see didn't matter. There was no Mm -hmm. prejudice at all when it came to these traumas. Okay. So for the listeners, when I go through this, a couple things, I don't want you at this point, blame mom or dad if you had these traumas because the research shows it goes through at least three family generations. So if you identify the traumas, mom and dad had traumas and so did their parents, at least generations. The intergenerational trauma. Sure. That's right. And then the uh, research shows that Uh, people have at least one to three of the top 10 traumas. So most people think, I don't have traumas. I had a pretty smooth childhood. A couple things happened, but I don't have traumas, but you would be surprised. In psychotherapy world, a lot of these would be called little t traumas, but the science showed the impact on the body with trauma in the brain and the cells of the body are still equally as impacted if it's a large trauma, like a car accident or witnessing a death or being a soldier 
to small traumas over time. Same impact on the body and brain. Okay, so here we go. The first one is if in your environment, so this could have been at home, in school, or in your neighborhood, okay? Um, there was drug addiction in your caretakers or parents. So we're talking, and I told you girls before we started taping that I would mention the, the Kaiser Permanente study, which is called the ACE study, Adverse Childhood mm-hmm. Events, and how this was so different because I did this checklist in 2012 based on my ex-partner and the clients that I was working with. In 2016, I saw their study and I'm like, how could they miss these? How could they miss abandonment? (laughs) How could they miss bullying? How could they miss our LGBTQ population? My kids from foster care, you know, that I took care of at the hospital. So to me, I felt they had missed so much, but their study was still important because with over 17,000 people, they made the correlation of unhealed childhood traumas impact on the body and how people uh, get early disease and die earlier if it's not healed. So it's still very important, but we just studied two different areas and our lists were very different. Mm -hmm. So with mine being an addictions counselor too, I named use of drugs, alcohol, and that's all they named and stopped. I named sex addiction. That's if you knew your parent was a cheater Mm-hmm. And you held the family secret. Okay. Porn cool. use, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and even social media addiction. If these concerns or activities took precedence over quality time with your child and the child felt neglected, these were important. That's trauma one. Okay. Trauma two is verbal issues. So watching mom and dad fight or them yelling at you, but I broke it down further. And that's if you never heard the words, I love you. Now in my cohort, I'm one of the baby boomers. I was on the beach last week and I had like 10 friends all over 58 years old, right? And they Uh all said, I never heard the words, I love you from my mom. I really thought she didn't love me, you know? And that's a big one that if you didn't hear those words, we didn't growing up as kids. And I finally asked her, and this was so profound when she says, well, I never heard those words. Those aren't words that I heard or ever used, you know, but that's the intergenerational pull, right? From where they grew up comes to their kids. Did you hear that a lot in some of your clients around not hearing, I love you? Yeah. Yeah. And how that showed up in their relationships? Yes. Yeah, definitely. So other verbal things are verbal slights or put downs like, hon, go change your clothes. You look fat in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She thinks it was a good thing, but you know, that's really a sting that stays with the person or yeah. never hearing good job, kiddo. I'm proud of you, you know, not getting compliments. So there's a lot around verbal. Okay. Number right. Three, and you don't think of that. It, you definitely don't categorize. I'm sorry. I didn't do the thing, but okay. we don't categorize that as a trauma, right? At, like in the big, when we think of trauma, we definitely don't. It's little, what they call it's little. little it definitely, trauma. it's little, but impactful over time because they build impactful up. Impactful like over a, time. Yeah. Yeah. Not that. ever hearing, I'm proud of you. That usually has that child grow up to either two things, <laughs> excel in school to get compliments from the teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and become successful to prove them wrong. Or, you know, it can lead to other things, but let's go over the first 10. Um, Okay. Okay. But verbal is very important. Number three is emotional abuse or neglect. Most people know what that is. Number four is the um, physical abuse, any kind of hitting in any way, sexual abuse, rape, or molestation. And again, inside or outside of the home. 
Number um, five is abandonment. And I identify two types, fault and no fault abandonment. And no fault abandonment is if a parent happens to die early. Mm. I worked oh, with right. these kids. Yeah. It's not oh, I fault. like the name. I like the way you said that. But the loss is huge. Yes. Right? Also, if a parent is deployed to, uh, you know, fight our wars and they're right. across in another country. Believe me, I was in the elementary schools when Afghanistan and the other wars were going on. These kids were just checked out. Then they're identified ADHD. I said, these kids aren't ADHD. They're worried if their mom's going to come home alive. Right. They can't even focus yeah. because yeah. the thing with focus and memory, if cortisol is up, which is a fear-based thinking and anxiety, memory and learning and focus goes down. Right. So I was doing techniques in the office to help, you know, calm the body system so they could learn better. I would guess imprisonment is on there as well, huh? Uh, that's under nine. Okay, got it. So it's okay. totally separate. Okay. So abandonment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So no fault would also be if a parent works a lot away from the home out of town, but that's a way mm-hmm. to support the family. They have no other choice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fault abandonment is never being in the child's life, being there while the couple or the marriage is intact and then barely seeing the child afterwards or not keeping their promise Promise. on the custody schedule. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. I put under their emotional abandonment. So that means a parent might be in the house, but they're totally checked out. And I hear this from my kids or students all the time, Miss Rihanna, why do I have to go to see my dad for the weekend? All he does is sit in front of TV and watch football. And I stay in my room and I'm bored, right? So it's that's the emotional lack of connection doesn't go to the kids' sport events or their art shows or whatever that's important to them. Because that's a big one. Then the next one is trauma six that I identify is if you were uh, in foster care, okay, part of adoption system, or you had to go live in another family's home. Even if that's grandma or your aunt's house, it's still you were displaced from the family home. I had one client say, does it count if I didn't want to go home and kind of like my friend's family took me in that I could stay there? I said, yes, that would count under that one because she was too afraid to go home to an alcoholic household. Right. 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 Okay. So that's trauma six. Trauma seven is the one that most people identify with. That's called personal trauma. This is a big one. This is if you ever felt different in any way that you didn't fit in or not good enough. So you could have been a chubby, overweight child or skinny and gawky child and called a nerd. I had this beautiful African-American girl in my office and her family seemed idyllic to her. She goes, I don't recognize any of these. And she goes, oh, that's the one. I was the only black girl in the all Caucasian school. I never fit in. And Uh I was always teased and bullied. So that one came out later in her love relationships. Right. Um, This is big for our LGBTQ community trying to come out, identify with who, who they feel they are. You know, who did they identify with? And if they were different, they were teased, bullies, rejected by family, friends, the school system. Um, So that's a big one there, right? So that Mm -hmm. impacts a lot of us. Okay, trauma eight is around sibling, sibling trauma. So your sibling could have bullied you. They could have been born with a medical issue and that commanded Mm. more of mom's and dad's time, making you feel like you were just off to the side. Or great list, Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We are. Are you right? I see you. I'm writing this down. This is a really good list. like, wait a second. What's next? Yeah. (laughs) Look, you ladies being psychotherapists, you get it, right? No, definitely. But I I I like hearing the categorization of them because I think like when when someone's sitting in your office and presenting in this way, this kind of like gives you this 
you can like go into the chat into the each room and be like okay let, let let's right. see where we are yeah that's right and and they all impact people differently mm -hmm. um the one with trauma that most people identify with is they see their sibling as being the golden child Mm -hmm. The star athlete, more handsome or beautiful, the more popular one, the smarter one. And they're compared and they feel less than. That comes up a lot. Trauma nine is the one, Adisha, that you had mentioned, which is a combination now mm -hmm. of one is community trauma, the other part is family trauma. So when people say, I don't have any traumas, everybody does have COVID pandemic trauma, which we call community trauma. Yeah. We're all suffering from that in some way, right? anything that impacts the community at large. This is also our mass shootings, our school shootings, mm -hmm. um, our mother nature events, floods, fires, hurricanes, ice yeah. storms, where whole communities are impacted. So that one has become huge over time. When I was a little girl, we barely heard those things. Right. That was like way down on my list years ago. But now that's one of the top traumas impacting us. And when there's community trauma as big as the COVID situation, now this is impacting a lot of families. Mm -hmm. So they're in food lines or losing their jobs or losing their homes, can't pay their bills. You know, so there's a lot of stress going on between community and family trauma right now. Pre-COVID days, we're talking um, the incarceration of a parent. Um, it's funny, in, in my Vineland school, I had um, the friendship group, right, with 11 little kids, and 10 out of the 11 all had a parent or grandparent incarcerated right. that impacted the family, and these were the school bullies, mm -hmm. you know, and I always taught the kids, people are bullying because there's pain inside, yeah, so right. we have to help them feel better about their pain inside, right, so I did a program called Stand Up for Friendship where they all had a bully busting buddy. It was so successful. It was televised. Wow. Um, and all the bullying went down. I also did a talent show. This is when my daughter was singing with a top artist and they all love this artist. He's very well known. You know, I have pictures with me and him and they're like, oh my God, Miss Rihanna, you know, <laughs> it's like, let's do talent club. So I had the kids doing hip hop dance and singing. And then I got them all in the newspaper on television, like little rock stars. But the rule was you can't have any detention or suspensions or you can't perform. <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. Yeah, and then we also did um, a community project. My daughter puts water wells in Tanzania, Africa since the age of 20. Right now, mm -hmm. she has 21 water wells. So she came and talked to them. So these kids that thought they had nothing saw right. the videos of kids not even having water and yeah. walking five miles to get a dirty bucket of water, right? So the compassion of helping others then entered into their life and gratitude about what they have. So these important, what we call character education lessons, if we can mm -hmm. get these to our kids in the schools early on, it can change so much around trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just one example of some of the work I did. But Anyway, uh, family trauma can also include growing up in a dangerous neighborhood, hearing a lot of lack messages. We don't have money for this or that. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. um, our military families here in the U.S. travel every, they move every two to four years. This puts the kid in another school as the new kid, which is a lot of stress. Um, so there's a lot around family trauma as well. And then number 10 is mental health issues in mom or dad. And a lot of the baby boomers there, we didn't see our, our parents go to counseling. So you kind of have to guess. 
Um, the two most difficult for children to deal with is bipolar and borderline personality mm -hmm. disorder. Yeah. And just briefly for the listeners, I describe borderline as fast trigger anger and moodiness. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid and you never know what you're going to get. Right. You know, it's always walking on eggshells. Are they good today? You know, that's what the kids would think. I hope, you know, when I open the door, dad's good today, mm -hmm. you know, and they don't know. So that keeps the anxiety high. And then bipolar is manic depressive. A manic phase could be high and happy, but it's often wrapped around an addiction, like a gambling spree, a spending mm -hmm. spree, an eating binge. Uh, depression can show up as anger, checking out emotionally or extreme mm -hmm. fatigue. Mm -hmm. So those are the top 10 on my childhood trauma checklist, which are wow. different than the ACE test. And where, so we'll make sure we put that in the show notes, right? Because I think right. that this would be really great for our listeners to be able to go back to. But I know that we are going to take a break. But after the break, I really want to talk more about how these childhood traumas and, you know, kind of in, in love, in your love trauma, how do they intertwine? Right, like sure. how are they showing up in your relationships? So I think that that's gonna be really important for our listeners to hear. So we're gonna take a quick break guys and we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about that. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, -E to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. So we are back. Um, Rihanna, I have to tell you, this is some really good stuff, right? Even yes. as a therapist, Diane and I both are around here taking notes. We're super interested. <laughs> yeah. We're hoping if you guys I'm like, are I feel like I'm in a training. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, like this is amazing. This is so great. So Thank you. you. I, you know, more. this was the help I needed that I could not get, that right. I yeah. could mm -hmm. not find the answers. And when I wrote the book, Love Beyond Your Dreams is 400 pages. And wow. I sent it to my ex and it goes, oh my God, I finally have an answer to what's the matter with me. Put my picture on the cover. I'm the poster <laughs> child of this stuff. <laughs> but at least it could settle and it could go forward with healing because you can't mm -hmm. change what you don't know. Correct. And I was at that point of the victim of someone that had unhealed severe childhood trauma. That was, he was in the sociopathic you know, stage. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't heal because nobody knew what this was. Right. I right. don't know if you ever right. heard of childhood trauma in your training. I mean, I went in 2000, so I didn't hear any of it. Um, I mean, we hear a little bit about attachment theory or family systems and ACOA work. 
but there was so much more. But right? even in, I mean, as you say that, I'm sorry, in ACOA work, we don't actually talk about it as the, we don't look at the trauma part. Like we look at, like, we don't say trauma. We don't like, we trauma say is everything. I, exactly. And that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. And I think like, and yeah. for me as I, like, I went from relationship to relationship healing along the way until I finally was healed enough to be in a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the work that I did. So I know Anisha's got this question, but I want, I want to hear about singles, couples. I can't, I can't get enough. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really like, and when they come to you, singles and couples, how do you help them with this once you identify, right, these traumas? Okay. And what's that like for them to kind of hear that they've had trauma? Because some of this stuff I would look at as like emotional wounds, right? And yep. I realize that when we have little physical wounds, we tend to them. But I know that when we have emotional wounds, we don't generally tend to them. And I guess that's how they become these traumas, right? Right. Well, mm -hmm. keep in mind, you know, as a child, we're very young and innocent and our brains are not developed mm -hmm. to be able to handle these childhood wounds. Yeah. Really? Right. And, and as a, a child, we find these little ways to survive within our environment, which we call coping mechanisms. And later they come out as an adult because they're not healed by what we call emotional triggers. Mm -hmm. So here's an example that's simple to understand. There's a man at work. He gets yelled at by his boss and he goes, you're really goofing up. You do it again, you're fired. You're, you're just no good. Mm -hmm. and the guy gets all upset. And he doesn't remember or realize those are the words he heard from his father. You're no good. You'll amount to nothing. You're a loser, right? So he comes home. Now he's angry at the wife. You know, he's in a bad mood and the wife's taking it personally. Like, what did I do now? He's always in a bad mood and mm -hmm. he hates this job. And she's there, well, we need the money, you know? So now this is the, is the argument and they're not recognizing this was an emotional trigger. So right. for couples who have this education, when they come to me, mm -hmm. I take partner A and I have to identify their traumas. And by the way, we have to look at the severity levels of the mm -hmm. traumas. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I do the same for partner two. So severity levels is one to 10, with 10 being most severe. So if I ask someone, okay, you mentioned physical abuse here. How often do you remember being hit by your father? And they could say, wow, twice I was really hit bad. And I said, well, how bad would you rate that one to 10? I said, well, maybe a three. And mm -hmm. someone beat every day by their alcoholic father would be a 10. You right. see the severity levels there. So the severity levels are very important as well as what traumas occurred. We have to understand each traumas, how they're showing up, the patterns of their adult relationships, even starting with that first love, you know, in their teen years and how relationships develop. So I look at all that. And then around their wounds, I have to teach them a new style of communication. Okay. People have not learned. And, you know, we have to look at everything in communication. And my BS from Penn State in speech communications and broadcasting. So, I mean, we have to look at pitch, volume, pace, yeah. tone of voice, word yeah. selection, Ooh. right? So we have to teach also ownership. So instead, this man would maybe just take a breath and a walk after work to try and calm down the emotional triggers within the body, right? In the brain and the body, because he's mm -hmm. being triggered. Then maybe on his way home, say, look, hon, I kind of had a bad day. So I'm going to need like a half hour just to decompress. Uh, you know, my boss said something and, you know, I got myself into trouble and I really don't want to talk about it when I walk in the door. Can you give me a little time? Mm -hmm. So he's claiming responsibility for his feelings physically mm -hmm. and emotionally. 
So when she, she notices something's different about him, she's not taking it personally. Then when he's ready and he's decompressed, remember mm -hmm. when cortisol is up, fear mm -hmm. is up, the ability to think well, word selection is down. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So he needs <laughs> yeah, that time down. to decompress and then have a realistic conversation and say, I was emotionally triggered today. My boss said some things and it reminded me when my dad said these things and I have to get myself into a better frame of mind. So I perform better at work. So whatever that is, but this is the type of tools that they learn if they're a couple. So right. a lot of this work is about verbalizing needs, right? Because that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients as well, right? Kind of figuring out what you need and being able to tell someone, right? By him well, coming yes. home and, and letting a lot of people partner might know. have been smacked across the face if they talked about their feelings as a teenager. Yeah. So yeah. that's where passive aggressive behavior comes from. You know, if a woman's trying to chase her guy saying, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. He just shuts down, doesn't want to say anything. Mm -hmm. It's because what he learned as his coping mechanism was, if I speak now, I'm going to get hit right, it's yeah. going to be worse right so yeah. there's that fear in the body because mm -hmm. the trauma is still unhealed so let's talk about other ways this shows up in love relationships whether you're right. single or a couple mm -hmm. so lying and manipulation which happens with the sociopath they had learned to get by in the world and get ahead by manipulation or lying so let's say the little boy had an f on his test comes home the alcoholic father's got a sign, you know, for the paper. So he makes it an A and he goes, Oh my God, I got away with that. Lying works. Yeah. So he learned yeah. to lie to survive <laughs> yeah. and became expert at it. These are the people that you would say, you know, well, why'd you have to lie about that? Right. Because it just became so normalized. So we are breaking normalized patterns and behaviors that tend to sabotage. Okay. Control. A lot mm -hmm. of people have control issues. So this is from a couple of things. One, the childhood environment was so disruptive that somebody craves control as an adult. Now this can work well in the workplace, mm -hmm. but if it's a woman trying to control her partner over and over again, you know, then with male yeah. ego and everything else and the dynamic of the relationship, they usually end up pushing their partners away, sabotaging it. Uh, controlling also can be where you don't feel good enough. And that's where jealousy also comes in. So trauma number seven of not feeling good enough and the verbal messages of trauma two, you know, that's all that insecurity, jealousy, and trying to control. But what usually winds up you know, they don't want to lose their partners and they end mm -hmm. up usually losing, losing them anyway. Them. Right. Because <laughs> they, they, yes. Yes. The now, partner can't take it. Right. Abandonment issues are huge. This is where love addiction comes from and codependency. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and in love addiction relationships, the research shows that get together, break up, get together, break up happens seven times. Really? And we oh, are working. What is it about the seven times? Why seven? It's just, that's yeah. what Lucky research seven. shows. I don't know. Lucky it's seven. Like, that's interesting. And and the thing that's happening with these types of relationship, consciously they're saying, I know he's no good for me, but the unconscious need to feel love mm -hmm. from the abandonment that occurred as a child is stronger unconsciously okay. that keeps taking them back to hmm. the victim, you know, the abuser. So whether it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, you know, and we could then get into this, what we call the cycle of violence, right? So you hope that they promise they change, you hope for the better, and then you go back and then it happens again, then there's another breakup. So yeah. these relationships- you always, you always hope. Yeah, are about seven <laughs> times breakup, get back together. Seven times. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. 
So that's all around abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Perfectionism is part of control. Again, needing to be perfect. And that also can come from, let's say, perfection and people pleasing. Let's talk about those two and a little girl uh, whose mom, angry alcoholic and the mother. And I keep using alcohol, but there's so many other scenarios. It's just easy to relate to. Um, So in the morning, she's angry, she's hungover. So this older girl will get up and get the siblings ready for school, pack their lunches, get into the bus stop. So Mm -hmm. mom is not screaming at the kids. Right. right. She's trying to keep peace in the house. So people pleasing mm-hmm. is her survival coping mechanism. And she learned, this is how I get love. Okay. So I actually okay. had a couple to come and the woman said, you know, I do everything for my husband and my kids to show them I love them and they do nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And the husband said, well, I don't ask you to do all that. but she doesn't understand why wasn't he do this for her too, if he loves her. Right. So the boundaries are so stretched. We have to look at boundaries and new behavioral patterns. Now here's an example in one of our top politicians who's no longer there, who was, um, (laughs) had childhood trauma. Okay. Angry, authoritative, alcoholic father. Did mm-hmm. not allow mm-hmm. him to have childhood friends. He would chase the, the kids away. His biography is fascinating. This is why I love biographies. And he had to clean the apartments of his father on weekends and after school. And he used to scrub the toilets and floors in the bathroom, say, I swear one day I'll have gold toilets. Right. Right. Oh. So, oh. Un- yeah. So the unhealed huh. trauma there is a lot of blaming behavior, mm-hmm. lack of mm-hmm. responsibility womanizing to prove that he was good enough, handsome enough, successful enough. So it's interesting to see the patterns. Another way it would come out and work is uh, Steve Jobs, a brilliant man who mm-hmm. developed Apple. He is, a, uh, as a young person, as a baby, he was adopted twice. Wow. So he had oh. severe uh, lack of trust with his original parents, you know, the People who, well, he was given up for adoption, then adopted and then given back and then adopted again. Okay. So this, you know, in those developmental years from birth to seven years old, Mm -hmm. no trust of people, the people you're supposed to love and trust the most, your mom and dad. Okay. So then he gravitated to things and things made him happy and he became brilliant in developing things you see. But he had a very difficult marriage. His wife divorced him and he had a very broken relationship Mm -hmm. until much later in life with his daughter. So, you know, if you really understand the childhood trauma aspect of somebody's life, Mm -hmm. then you can Mm -hmm. understand why the relationships are broken or they're sabotaging them as an adult. So it could be parent-child relationships, love relationship, work relationships, and he was known to be very difficult with work relationships, like a tyrant sometimes. Yeah, I saw I, they left that out of the movie, the adopted yes. back and forth and back and forth. That's correct. That's such an attachment break. Yes, it is. Oof. So that's, you know, abandonment issues right there. Yeah. Um, so it's really fascinating how it comes out. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I am a certified clinical trauma professional, so I really take it under my wing to study as much as I can about this. Okay. And, uh, you know, my notebook for my, my clients is 150 pages that we do together. Wow. And it's a very individualized, like VIP situation. I only work one-on-one mm-hmm. and we really break everything down. 
when, you know, people are there, well, you know, I always attract a sociopath or a narcissist, what's going on with me, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So um, that's around usually some abandonment going on. And um, the, the worst of these personality types is a, soci- is a psychopath, right? Okay. The sociopath and psychopath are very similar. They use people for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. However, the difference is the psychopath can kill without remorse and has a cunning criminal mind. So they tend to rip people off over time, like a Bernie Madoff. Oh, okay. A scheming mind that's a criminal mind. And they tend to be very intelligent and very brilliant. And when they hurt people, they have no remorse. They'll never apologize. They think there's some entitlement there. So that's usually someone with nine out of and nine and ten traumas with severity levels of nine and ten. And the second worst is sociopath, and then the third worst is narcissist. And there's actually ten narcissistic behaviors from malignant (laughs) narcissist which is also the psychopath and sociopath I'm gonna get my pen. always uh-huh. malignant <laughs> narcissist. And then there's actually a kind narcissist that is altruistic and likes helping people out, but they're more self-involved. So let so, me ask you this. When people come and they work with you, how long do they normally work with you, right? Because this is not, you know, um, conventional therapy, right? So that's no. understood. So, right. right, like, so how long do they normally work with you for these coaching sessions? And then I want us to look at, like, what does, like, an emotionally healthy um, relationship kind of look like? So people have okay. an understanding of that, too. Yes. So my modality uh-huh. Um, yes, I'm still a licensed mental health counselor in New yes. Jersey. I was LPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I still hold the license, but I don't call it therapy. I call it coaching mm-hmm. because I am a certified coach and I just love this style. So what I'm combining uh, for the psychotherapy listeners is the attachment theory, family systems, PTSD, healing, ACOA work, motivational and inspirational coaching, mm-hmm. holistic health, mind, body, spirit, Mindset for success work, my own system I developed in my 20s, solution focused to their problems. Let's get to the root of the problems. It's very educational. Okay. Um, unlike therapy where you're, a lot of them just say, well, how do you feel about that? I said, that was one of the, the questions that bothered me the most, the most. You, know? <laughs> you know, when I was in my master's, we had to go to five therapists and they're like, which one did you like? I said, I don't like any of them. You know, I came with a real problem. They kept saying, what do you, how do you feel about that? That's why I said that in the first sentence. I have anxiety over this. So I'm looking for solutions. Got it. So I always love the coaching model, Mm -hmm. which gets to the answers and the solutions quickly. And Mm -hmm. my clients love that too. This involves a lot of brain science going from unconscious awareness to full conscious awareness, spirituality for healing. So it's not therapy. You know, it's this Mm -hmm. hybrid model of what I use. Um, so in my clinical trauma work, you know, they usually say it takes six months to get the trauma out of the brain and body and to, you know, really learn a new way of being and living. Okay. The cool thing is, yes, this can be healed. Number one. And two, the skills that my clients learn, they use for the rest of their life. Okay. And they look back. I describe it like a rainbow because I was there. It's like, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what's the matter with me. Right. I don't know what's the matter with these people? Why would they hurt me and ruin a great relationship? Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know? I was there and it was a very frustrating place to be that I couldn't get any help. So that's what started my journey to heal my own self. I, as I was healing and learning, I was going up this rainbow, but then I would slip. 
and then right. over the rainbow. And the reason is the unconscious mind is so strong mm -hmm. that the conscious, new conscious awareness really takes time and a lot of practice. So the ideal time is six months. Okay. And by then you're over the rainbow, you've got them practiced, you're, you're healing. If you're emotionally triggered, it barely impacts you anymore. You've got all the thinking systems you have to do mm -hmm. using the mindset, using um, you know, the awareness. Uh, when you're, if you have a partner, taught knowing how to talk through that with your partner. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. and then I call that the pot of gold because again, you'll use these skills the rest of your life. And people look back and say, I don't even believe I was this person. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And a lot of people come to me, they're very successful in business, but struggle in love and they can't figure it out. You know, they say, you know, then they're able to find emotionally healthy, conscious love, which mm -hmm. is what we'll go yep. into. So 50% of what I do is trauma healing and creating the life they desire. What does that look like? Because mm -hmm. so many people say, I lost myself. I loved who I was. We had a great time. And then the relationship turned toxic. And for me, people pleasing him and trying to do everything to make him happy. So I wouldn't be emotionally abused. I don't even know who I am anymore. Right. So it's really important to get that solid. So we had these goals we're working on the whole six months to make them happy first. Mm -hmm. And then the, the singles got the exact dating skills, again, based in science and research. Mm -hmm. Nothing yeah. like we learned uh, from anywhere. And then <laughs> the relationships that they need for sustainability of the relationship. Okay, okay, so that's how the whole thing looks. So if they're single, the first thing they do is they have to be what they want to attract. Mm -hmm. So oh, no, sure. right? No yeah. cheap drama in their lives, cleaning up all where trauma has showed up, you know, getting themselves together financially, emotionally, career with their own kids, with their parents, friendships. Uh, what is it they desire? So we get that all together first. Now, their confidence is up. Their self-esteem is up. They love who they are. They generally feel I'm the whole package. So when you yeah. go out dating with that mindset, you're not going to settle for anything less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're not going to sure. settle for a toxic guy because it's yeah, like, wow, no. I got my life no, together. No. I don't want your drama. Right? Yeah. Okay. So that's, then they know the questions to ask when they're out there. Okay. Um, so that's the first step. B, who you well, want to attract. Well, knowing the questions is good too. I like that. There's like, like 25 questions that they have to ask. And they do understand that most of us have had childhood trauma, but to what extent is it still existing or has it been healed? And that's what they're, they're analyzing on their date one or two. So if they see too much <laughs> trauma, they break it off early and don't get involved. All right. And I know you have all of these classes, if you can tell people about them, right? Like the ones like, how do you find love tips for online dating success, right? So all of these things are on your website. So I yeah. think it's important for our listeners to know that, yes, they can do the one-on-one -on -one work with you, but I know no. that you also well, a lot of, okay, no, maybe not. To explain it further, I don't do individual sessions like therapy. They're no, all I right. programs. Okay. No, no. Yeah. No. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and how long is the program? Four it's to six months, all of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So for couples, mm -hmm. uh, when you're looking to have an exclusive relationship, this is from my book, section four. There's many, many pages on what the emotionally healthy, evolved, and conscious relationship looks like. Okay. But I'll just read from one section. Solid foundation, meaning there's trust, there's confidence in your partner, there's integrity. You know they're doing the right things when nobody's looking. Mm -hmm. Flexibility means they're open-minded, they're caring, easygoing, understanding, emotionally open to hearing about your feelings and you being able to share in a loving way. 
Fidelity is honesty, loyalty, integrity. Friendship, they've got to be your best friend, your buddy. Because eventually when chemistry is not that great or you're older, you're still with your best friend, right? right. Someone right. you really love to hang out with. Mm-hmm. So there's respect and kindness and reliability there as a best friend would be. Intimacy, there's a balance of love, deep friendship, daily affection, just like the kiss and hug at the door. I love you, babe. You know, just things like that. that just are the, daily. the things that make your day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, fun, common interest. You got to be able to laugh together, have great adventures together. Compromise, the ability to negotiate your di- issues or differences. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. I, I spend a lot of time with people on understanding how to do that in a, in a positive way. Okay. The ability to apologize and forgive quickly. This is a spiritual concepts. Mm-hmm. Balanced yep. individuals, mind, body, spirit. Uh, balance of work and play and couple time. I talk about balance triangles quite a bit. Okay. And the studies show the happiest and longest lasting couples practice spirituality to get together, not religion, but a way of being 24 seven. Right. So those are some um, qualities of the emotionally healthy relationship. Brianna, we're going to have to have you back. Okay. <laughs> no, you have so much information you have to so give. Much information. Too much, ladies. I no, it, we love it. Though. That's just it. I think, but it's not too much. I don't. We we have this idea always, like as we're growing up, like we're going to get into this relationship and it's just going to magically unfold and it's going to happen. And we all saw the we all saw you know the movie Boy Meets Girl, Boy Loses Girl, Boy Gets Girl Back, whatever. We were taught to fall in love by chemistry. It's one of the worst ways to fall in love. Exactly. <laughs> and so this is really unpacking what a real like what it's really like to be out in the world and be in a relationship i love it i wish we had i wish we had more time but we are at the last hurrah and nisha yes so i have two questions that have nothing to do with uh what we talked about today okay Okay. (laughs) so uh if you had to sing karaoke what's your song what song do you choose when it's time (laughs) i really don't know i never go to karaoke bars I took you my don't. daughter What's to your favorite song? to sing. What do you like to sing um, in the car? <laughs> well, I was singing to my grandchildren in Austin, Texas. Okay. Um, uh. Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles on a beautiful sunny morning. And I'm whistling around the floor with them. Uh-huh. And sometimes in the morning when it's a beautiful sunny day here in Florida, I put that on. So it's just a great way to start the day singing to that song. Okay. Right. I like that. And the next question is, have you ever dined and dashed? <laughs> have I ever done it? Never. Never. I haven't heard her However, say that. However, it was done once to me when I was dating. And I have instructions wow. from my clients on exactly what to do. And that is becoming more and more popular um, oh. in the dating world. Really? So, um, and it is um, criminal in many states because it's stealing. So you Uh immediately go to the manager, you show Mm -hmm. the person's picture, they call Mm -hmm. the police, you report them because the dining manager doesn't want this person back in their establishment. And when it was happening to me, I had my person arrested. We're talking empowerment, ladies. We shut that date down. That's right. (laughs) We will not. That's right. We will not be. And and then the last you report it to the dating app as well. 
Amazing. I love that. I didn't even realize that was a thing. And I did not expect that answer. Look at what we just learned. I love it. Thank you so much. We are going to make sure that all the information on how to find you is in the show notes and on all of our social media and all the things. And we will have you back. I have lots of free gifts for everyone at my website, rihannamilne.com. Free ebook, free book chapter downloads of Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams. My podcast, Lessons in Life and Love, is all over the place. I have 106 shows, 230 on my YouTube channel, and free love tests. So oh. if you're curious if you're in the right relationship or if you're suffering from childhood trauma, go to my website and check those out. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's so awesome. All right. Thank you yeah. so much. This has been so informative. I feel like I got CEUs. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, wow. I love that. <laughs> You're welcome. I hope it is helping a lot of people, ladies. And I appreciate you are helping the show a lot of people. This is awesome. And we really hope that we can have you back. Sure. Yeah, we are going to have yes. you back. We need more time. So, uh, Anisha. Yes. We're, we're still, still living in the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yes, we are, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are. Stay safe, safe, wash wash your hands, hands, and please wear your your mask. Just wear it for us. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. And we're going to stop here. We'll see you next week. week. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real Podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.